Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, this is Chris, the public safety guru, a.k.a. the EMT tutor, bringing you this exciting announcement. I have revamped memberships, and you can now access exclusive content, which includes quizzes, practice tests, block exams, practice final exams, study guides, and other resources for the low cost of $4.99 a month. And when you're done with your EMT program or taking the National Registry exam, you can cancel. Now, you can join from your favorite podcast app, but it's best if you do it from Spotify or our Patreon channel. If you join from your podcast app, all you need to do is send me an email to thepublicsafetyguru at gmail.com letting me know that you signed up. But if you do it from Patreon, I get instant notification, which grants you instant access to our Google Drive, which has all of these resources, including the ad-free version of this podcast. But wait, here is the most exciting part. When you subscribe, you get access to our all-new Discord channel, which allows you to have interaction with me, where you can ask me specific questions as it relates to your EMT program or prepping for the National Registry exam. But let's just say you just have that question where you're not understanding something. Well, we can answer that question through Discord, and that's what I'm really excited about. And last, you can interact with this EMT community and help each other. All right, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the EMT Tutor, and I almost forgot, if you're looking for us at Patreon, search for the EMT Tutor. All right, let's get on with your learning. Okay, so after this lecture, the EMT student should have an understanding of the anatomy, physiology, and pathophysiology of allergic reactions and anaphylactic shock. Additionally, students should have a knowledge and skills to recognize when a patient is having an allergic reaction or an anaphylactic reaction. And we're gonna be getting deep into that with this lecture. All right, now let's identify those knowledge domains that you should know once this lecture is over. So first, an EMT should be able to define the terms allergic reaction and anaphylaxis. You should be able to explain the difference between a local and a systemic response to allergens. You should be able to list the five categories of stimuli that can cause an allergic reaction or an extreme allergic reaction. You should also be able to differentiate the primary assessment for a patient who is either having a systemic allergic reaction, an anaphylactic reaction, or a local reaction. You should also understand the importance of managing the ABCs of a patient who is having an allergic reaction and discuss the steps in the primary assessment that are specific to a patient who is having an allergic reaction. You should be able to explain the factors involved with making transport decisions for these patients. Last, you should know the emergency medical care for patients having an allergic or anaphylactic reaction. And last, know and understand the contraindications of using epinephrine to treat allergic reactions in the geriatric patient. All right, let's jump into this and ensure that you understand all of these knowledge domains. As an EMT, you will often respond to calls involving an allergic reaction. 
Allergy-related emergencies may involve acute airway obstruction and cardiovascular collapse. You must be able to treat these life-threatening complications. You must also be able to distinguish between the body's usual response to an allergen and an allergic reaction. This is all considered immunology, which is a study of the body's immune system. All right, let's do a little review on the anatomy and physiology as it relates to the immune system. The immune system protects the body from foreign substances and organisms. When a foreign substance invades the body, the body goes on alert. The body initiates a series of responses to inactivate the invader, basically to fight it off. Okay, moving on to pathophysiology. An allergic reaction is an exaggerated immune response to any substance. It is not caused directly by an outside stimulus, such as a bite or sting. Rather, it is caused by the body's immune system, which releases chemicals to combat the stimulus. These chemicals include histamines and leukotrienes, both of which contribute to an allergic reaction. Given the right person and the right circumstances, almost any substance can become an allergen. First, the person becomes sensitized, exposed for the first time to the substance. Then, his or her immune system learns to recognize the substance. Third, when the patient is exposed to the substance again, an allergic reaction occurs. Some patients may not know what is causing their allergic reaction. So you must be able to recognize these signs and symptoms and maintain a high index of suspicion. An allergic reaction may be mild and local, characterized by itching, redness, and tenderness. In severe and systemic allergic reactions, this condition, we will call it anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis is an extreme, life-threatening allergic reaction. It involves multiple organ systems. In severe cases, it can rapidly result in shock and death. I always tell my students this. When you have an allergic reaction with difficulty breathing, the patient is now in anaphylactic shock. You can use this as a general rule of thumb. There are some other common signs as well. The patient could present with eudicaria, which is otherwise known as hives, and these are small areas of generalized itching or burning that appear as multiple small raised areas of the skin. The next thing that the patient could present with is angioedemia. Angioedemia is when your patient has areas of localized swelling. And then the third sign is wheezing. Wheezing is a high-pitched whistle breath sound that is typically heard on expiration. It results from bronchospasm and bronchoconstriction and increased mucus production. Your patient may also present with hypotension, which is due to vasodilation, as well as an increase in capillary permeability. An often overlooked symptom of patients experiencing allergic reaction is persistent gastrointestinal dysfunction, which could be nausea, vomiting, and abdominal cramps. Okay, let's now talk about some common allergens that people can be allergic to. The most common allergens fall into one of the following five general categories. Let's first talk about category number one, food. Certain foods, such as shellfish and peanuts, 
may be the most common trigger of anaphylaxis. These foods account for 30% of deaths from anaphylaxis, most commonly in adolescents and young adults. Symptoms can take more than 30 minutes to appear. They may not include skin signs such as hives, and the reaction can be severe and involve the respiratory or cardiovascular system. Okay, let's now move to the second category, which are medications. Medications are the second most common source of anaphylactic reactions, particularly antibiotics. An example would be people are allergic to penicillin. People can also be allergic to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, otherwise known as NSAIDs. If the medication is injected, the reaction may be immediate and severe. Now, reactions to oral medications may take more than 30 minutes to appear, but also can be very severe. Now, believe it or not, people are allergic to plants, and this would be our third category. Dust, pollens, and other plant materials can cause a rapid and severe allergic reaction. Common plant allergens include ragweed, nigrass, maple, and oak. And you'll definitely be going on calls like this. All right, our fourth category are chemicals. Certain chemicals, makeup, soap, hair dye, latex, and various other substances can cause a severe allergic reaction. Latex is of particular concern to healthcare providers as patients can be sensitive to it. There are as many as 12% of the healthcare providers become sensitized to latex. So you may have to use latex alternatives such as nitrile gloves. Moving on to our last category, insect bites and stings. When an insect such as a bee, ant, hornet bites or stings a person, the act of injecting its venom is called envenomation. The reaction can be localized, causing swelling and itching at the site, or it may be severe and systemic, which would be anaphylaxis. Approximately 3% of adults and 1% of children are allergic to the venom of bees, wasps, and hornets. An allergic reaction to insect stings account for at least 50 deaths in the United States per year. In about half of these deaths, the victim had never experienced a reaction to prior stings. The stinging organ of most insects is a small hollow spine projecting from the abdomen. Venom can be injected through this spine directly into the skin. Now with honeybees, honeybees cannot withdraw their stinger. The honeybee flies away and dies. If the stinger is not removed, it can continue to inject venom for up to 20 minutes. Because they fly away, it is difficult to identify which species is responsible. Now, wasps and hornets can sting multiple times. They do not die after stinging. Some ants, especially the fire ant, can also strike repeatedly, often injecting a particular irritating toxin at the bite sites. Now, despite what insect bites our patient, signs and symptoms could include sudden pain, swelling, localized heat, widespread uticaria, aka hives, redness in light-skinned individuals, and itching and possibly a wheel, which is spelled W-H-E-A-L, and this is a raised, swollen, 
well-defined area of the skin. Applying ice sometimes makes stings and bites less irritating. The swelling associated with the insect bite may be dramatic and frightening. As long as these manifestations remain localized, they are not usually serious. Yet in more serious anaphylactic cases, patients may experience bronchospasm and wheezing, chest tightness and coughing, dyspnea, anxiety, gastrointestinal complaints, hypotension, occasionally respiratory failure. If untreated, an anaphylactic reaction can proceed rapidly to death. More than two-thirds of patients who die of anaphylaxis do within the first 30 minutes, so rapid treatment and transport is essential. All right, we're now going to talk about the patient assessment in an immunological emergency. Scene size up. The patient's environment or recent activity may indicate the source of the allergic reaction. There could be a sting or bite from an insect, a food allergy at a restaurant, or a new medication regimen. A respiratory problem reported by dispatch may be an allergic reaction. Until a field impression of allergic reaction is firmly established, be mindful of other potential causes of respiratory distress. Traumatic injury may also be present secondary to the medical emergency. Follow standard precautions with a minimum of gloves and eye protection. Consider the need for additional resources such as advanced life support. Okay, moving on to the primary assessment. Quickly identify and treat any immediate or potential life threats. Assess the patient's airway, breathing, and circulation as deterioration can occur at almost any time with very little warning. ABCs should be reassessed repeatedly throughout transport. Now, forming your general impression. Allergic reactions may present as a respiratory condition or as cardiovascular distress in the form of shock. Patients experiencing a severe allergic reaction will often appear very anxious. If your general impression finds the person anxious and in distress, immediately call for ALS backup if available. Look for a medical identification tag if the patient is found unresponsive or is unable to answer your questions. Let's talk a little bit about airway and breathing. Anaphylaxis can cause rapid swelling of the upper airway. You may have only a few minutes to assess the airway and provide life-saving measures. Not all allergic reactions are anaphylactic reactions. Remember that. Work quickly to assess the patient to determine the severity of the symptoms and the number of body systems affected. Quickly assess for increased work of breathing, use of accessory muscles, head bobbing, tripod positioning, nostril flaring, and abnormal breath sounds. Wheezing is due to narrowing of the air passages resulting from contraction of muscles around the bronchioles in reaction to the allergen and mobilization of mucus in an attempt to push out the allergen. So our body's own defense system is working against us. As the patient's condition worsens, breathing may diminish to the point of being almost silent. Strider is a harsh, high-pitched sound heard on inspiration and can eventually lead to total obstruction. The patient may eventually fatigue 
and may even stop breathing. In the latter cases, cardiac arrest will shortly follow respiratory arrest. So, as you're conducting your assessment, your patient may present with wheezing and or strider. And just remember that wheezing is that narrowing of the bronchioles and the bronchioles filling with mucus. And that's what's causing that high-pitched wheezing sound. And as, as mentioned, you then have strider, which is that upper airway, which you have to be cognizant of as well. As I sit and record this podcast, I don't ever recall a patient presenting with both wheezing and strider. It was one or the other. So just take that for note. All right, now moving on. Assist the patient into a comfortable position. This is generally the high Fowler's position to maximize their ventilations. If signs of shock emerge, immediately place the patient in a supine position as tolerated. Remember, don't force them to lay down because they're going to fight you. And that's going to make them more anxious and build up that anxiety, which will just make their condition worse. Listen to the lung sounds on each side of the chest. Do not hesitate to initiate high-flow oxygen therapy. For a patient in severe respiratory distress, you may have to assist ventilations using a BVM. Of course, you want to hook that BVM to your house tank and giving that patient that high concentrated oxygen. Moving on to circulation, some patients in anaphylaxis may present with signs and symptoms of circulatory distress such as hypotension. Palpate for the present and quality of a radial pulse. Assess for a rapid pulse rate, pale, cool, cyanotic, or red, moist skin, and delayed cap refill, all of which may indicate hypoperfusion. One more time. Assess for a rapid pulse rate, pale, cool, cyanotic, or red, moist skin, and delayed capillary refill. These are all signs of hypoperfusion. If your patient is in hypoperfusion, aka shock, then treat for shock. Provide oxygen, position the patient supine as tolerated, and prevent any loss of body heat. The definitive treatment for anaphylactic shock is epinephrine. And you should have already determined if your patient has been prescribed an EpiPen. If not, then do so at this point in time. By now, you should have already made a transport decision. If anaphylaxis is suspected, or if a relatively mild allergic reaction appears to be worsening, immediate transport is warranted. Take along the patient's medications, which would include any auto-injectors and inhalers. If the patient is calm and does not exhibit severe symptoms, consider continuing the assessment, but always err on the side of emergency transport. All right, before we jump into history taking, we've been going strong for about 17, 18 minutes. So this would be a good time to take that break, and we will do so now. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's talk about history taking. Remember, during history taking, we investigate the chief complaint. Invest a chief complaint or history of the present illness. Identify all signs and symptoms. Utilize sample for your history. If the patient is responsive, obtain the sample history, including a OPQRST assessment, and ask him or her the following questions specific to the allergic reaction. Have any interventions already been completed? Has the patient experienced a severe allergic reaction in the past? 
Be alert for any statements regarding the ingestion of foods that commonly cause allergic reactions. Inquire about the presence of gastrointestinal complaints such as nausea and vomiting. And once you obtain your history, we're going to move to the secondary assessment, which will include a physical examination. If indicated, perform a rapid exam of the body from head to toe or conduct a physical examination focused on the area of the chief complaint. If the patient is unconscious or otherwise unable to communicate, remove clothing as necessary and look for the presence of bee stings, signs of contact with chemicals, or other clues suggestive of a reaction. Look for a medical alert tag that could indicate a severe allergy. If you have not already done so, auscultate for abnormal breath sounds such as wheezing or strider and carefully inspect the skin for swelling, rashes, and urticaria. If a systemic reaction continues, the body will have difficulty supplying blood and oxygen to the vital organs. Altered mental status is one of the first signs of this. Now in regard to vital signs, vital signs indicate whether the body is compensating for the stress imposed on the body by the reaction. Assess baseline vital signs including pulse and respiratory rates, blood pressure, pupillary response, and oxygen saturation. Skin signs may be unreliable indicators of hypoperfusion as they may vary widely or be hidden by rashes and swelling. Now, once again, if available, you should utilize a pulse ox to assess the patient's perfusion status. The decision to apply oxygen should be based on airway patency, work of breathing, and abnormal lung sounds on auscultation. You should not solely rely on the pulse ox. Let's talk reassessment now. In route to the hospital, repeat the primary assessment, reassess the patient's vital signs, and repeat a focused physical examination of the affected body systems. If the patient is unstable, reassess every five minutes, and if the patient is stable, reassess every 15 minutes. Be very vigilant in your reassessments as the patient can deteriorate rapidly right in front of your eyes, which could be fatal. Monitor the patient's anxiety level and mental status. Watch for signs of shock and treat immediately if present. Interventions. Treatment is determined by the severity of the reaction. Mild reactions may require only supportive care and monitoring. Anaphylaxis requires more aggressive treatment, including epinephrine and ventilatory support. In either case, the patient should be transported to a medical facility for further evaluation. Always recheck your interventions. You may need to give more than one injection of an EpiPen. Be sure to consult medical control before administering subsequent doses. Even if the patient is experiencing relief, transport to the emergency room is still warranted because the medications effect will wear off and symptoms could return. All right, that's it with patient assessment. We're now going to move on to the emergency medical care for immunological emergency patients. If the patient appears to be having a severe allergic reaction, administer basic life support and provide prompt transport to the hospital. If a stinger is present, scrape the skin with the edge of a sharp stiff object such as a credit card. Do not use tweezers or forceps. Gently wash the area with soap or mild antiseptic. 
remove jewelry from the area before swelling begins, position the injection site slowly below the level of the heart, and apply ice or cold packs to the area but not directly on the skin and not for more than 10 minutes at a time. Be alert for signs of airway swelling and other signs of anaphylaxis such as nausea, vomiting, and abdominal cramps and do not give the patient anything by mouth. Place the patient in the supine position as indicated and give oxygen if needed. Monitor the patient's vital signs and be prepared to provide further support as needed. All right, let's talk a little bit about epinephrine. Epinephrine is a simple pathometic hormone. It mimics the body's sympathetic mechanism. It has various properties that cause the blood vessels to constrict, which reverses vasodilation and hypotension. Epi also increases cardiac contractility and relieves bronchospasm in the lungs. It can rapidly reverse the effects of anaphylaxis. Epi is prescribed by a physician and comes pre-dosed in an auto-epinephrine injector. Some EMS systems are authorized to carry epinephrine as part of the regularly onboard medications. In others, EMS providers may be permitted to help patients self-administer their own medications. Obviously, refer to your local protocols or consult any online medical control that you are under. Now, there are some other side effects to epinephrine which include increased pulse rate, anxiety, cardiac arrhythmias, pallor skin, dizziness, chest pain, headache, nausea, and vomiting. And remember, do not give epi to patients without signs of respiratory compromise or hypotension. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it with this lecture. Remember, you can listen to these podcasts ad-free by subscribing and becoming a member either through the podcast or by joining our Patreon channel. Membership grants exclusive learning content such as members' exclusive podcasts, quizzes, tests, and study guides. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the EMT Tutor. And last, take a look at the thepublicsafetyguru.com as we have redesigned the website to be more intuitive. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening and happy EMT. Thank you.